welcome to Long Hill Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're in the car, on the couch, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Good morning, Long Hill Chapel Online. My name is Joey Monteleone. I serve here at church as the worship coordinator, and we're very excited to be closing out a series that we started in the new year called Pinpoint. Uh, It's a look into the Psalms, into specific Psalms. Obviously, we can't do all 150, uh, but what's been cool is that we've been looking at where we are, where God is, and how we can move more in His direction. And what's become apparent to me as we've been looking through some of these various psalms, regardless of the topics, whether it's been lament or joy or suffering or praise or trust or awe, each of these subjects have hit each one of us differently and at differing points within our spiritual journeys. And the reason for that is because we are all unique. We are all different. Even though we all might attend the same church, our lives are not interchangeable. And we all have things in our lives that challenge us, which makes connecting to God as individual as the people that we are. And I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, I wish there was a way that we could all come together. We could all unify together, regardless of where we are, regardless of where we've been, and regardless of what God is doing in our lives. Is there something that can bridge that barrier? Can we be unified? Because unity is a difficult thing to come by these days. And it's difficult because there are so many things that divide us. We are divided by income status and politics and sexuality and worldview and languages and cultures and past experiences. But what if there was a way that we could take all of that into account and still come together? Not in a kumbaya, we are the world type way, but in a true, almost mysterious powerful, transformative encounter. Can we all be unified? Well, I think that we actually can be. There's a device that enables this, and we're actually going to see it in our psalm today. But before we dive into that, let's open in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this psalm that we're going to look at now. Would you unify us? Would you unify us to you? Would you unify us to your mission? And would you unify us to each other? And we pray these things in the power of your spirit. Amen. Now, before we dive in, why is unity so important? Well, like we said, there's many things that divide and separate us today, from our preferences to our past to you name it, we're all very different from each other. And that's a good thing. But when we feel the tension of difference with people around us, our default setting is to separate ourselves. We unfriend people, we disconnect, we disassociate, and we do this in many ways to preserve ourselves and our distinctive identity. And Jesus knows this. Jesus knows this about us so well, in fact, that he prays right before he goes to the cross in John 17 that we, his followers, would be united, that we would be one, just like he is one with his Father. In fact, he says that the unity that we have is going to be how the world knows about God. It's not going to be through our outreach. It's not going to be through our theological talking points. It's not our ad campaigns or our political affiliation. It's through unity. That's why it's so important. 
because without it, the world doesn't know about God. And unity is hard because it requires humility. It's a sacrifice towards something greater. It's recognizing that there's something bigger here worth giving to. And it doesn't mean that we just sacrifice all our values or our principles. It's not uniformity, it's unity. And there's a difference between the two. Uniformity says that we all look, we all think, we all act, and we all believe the same thing. But unity takes all of the differences that we have and it comes together anyway. That's the difference. And why? Why do we become unified? So that the world knows about God. The world looks at us and says, their God is real. And the proof is that these people that should not necessarily come together are together. That's why unity is so important. We are unified. We are a family. We are the church. And the church is a weird place for many reasons. Think about this with me for just a second. When we actually come to church, we do what? We gather every week, we get some coffee, we sit down, we usually sit in the same seat and the same row every single week. If you didn't realize that before, you definitely realize it now. Uh, we listen to a spiritual TED talk of sorts that help us navigate faith and the spiritual direction of our lives. And before we do that, what's the first thing that we usually do in a worship service? We sing. Now, we don't just sing individually, and we don't sing unilaterally. We sing corporately, and we sing cooperatively. There are very few places in our lives where we gather together in a large room and sing the same song together. We might touch on this at a concert where we're all you know, singing along to an artist's performance, which is very interesting that music is one of the only things in the world that can take a huge group of diverse people and connect them all. But church is the only place where the understanding is that when we come into the room, we're going to sing together the same song. And more than just singing them to ourselves, we're actually singing them to someone. Why do we do this? Unity. And our psalm is going to show us what we're unified to, what singing and worship unifies us to. So let's look at it. It's Psalm 96. We're going to start at verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. 
Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So this psalm gives us a holistic view of what worship is and why we do it. But more than that, we're going to see how worship provides unity in four ways. And so verse 1 says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. This phrase, sing to the Lord a new song, occurs in Scripture nine times. And when we hear that, we usually take it literally, that we should be singing new compositions and, and new tunes should be coming out all the time. And I agree with that. But I think a better way of understanding the idea of a new song is that it's always in reference and response to experiencing God in a new way. A new song can be the same melody with a new understanding of his love, a new understanding of his character and his grace and his mercy in new ways. It's the approach and the posture of our hearts. And yes, you know, I get to lead an amazing team of, of worship musicians and, and vocalists, and we do aim to provide up-to-date music from some of the, the best songs that are coming out about God around the world. But the call in Scripture is not just to a freshness of melody, it's to a freshness of experience, of how God is revealing himself to you in the now. That's why some songs hit differently at different times, even though you know them already. I can remember the first time I ever heard the song Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel, which is not a worship song, but go with me here. I was six years old. I was in the back of my dad's truck, and I remember hearing it, and I just thought, well, this is a nice song. But when I heard it as an adult at the 9-11 memorial service a few years back, I was moved to tears because of the experience that I had had and how those lyrics now affected me. It was as though it was a brand new song for me. And so when we read scripture, when we pray, when we live together in community and God does something in our lives, when he moves, we begin to see him in new and powerful ways like we've never done before. And that newness allows us a continual, fresh approach to our worship, a new song. And if we're growing in our relationship with God, then our worship should and always will be new. And so, as we sing, the first thing that worship unifies us to is God, to his goodness, to his grace, his mercy, his holiness, his worth, his faithfulness. Worship unifies us to God. And we do that with a new song, a new heart, a new approach. And so, whether it's gathering on a Sunday morning or it's listening to Spotify in your car, the invitation to meet with God is always a call to a fresh experience. Look at verses two through four. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. So in verse one, we're unified to God in worship, to be unified to him in a fresh and new way. But now in verses two through four, the invitation is not just to a new song, it's to declare and proclaim. 
And we often think of declaring and proclaiming as the same thing. It's, it's actually not. The word here is uyongalitso. And the English version of this is to evangelize or evangelical, which is to tell good news, to proclaim it. And so when we experience God in new and powerful ways, it ushers a new song. And the announcement of that song can be ascribing to God what he's done in our lives and how we feel about it, which is similar to what we discussed with lament. But a song of worship isn't just about how I feel. Worship is a moment of declaration where we say what's true. It's a singing announcement of what's true, regardless of how I feel. Verse 4, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. You see, worship and song are ways of sharing the good news about the specific God that we worship. People should hear the songs that we're singing to God and have a clear understanding of who he is and why we're singing to him. It should be clear. Our songs should be about the unique character traits and characteristics of Jesus and what he has done. It's why we're so picky about what we sing here at LHC. It has to be a good song, but more than that, it has to be biblical. And it has to be true, but it also has to be clear. And so the next aspect that worship unifies us to is the truth of who God has revealed himself to be. And what is that? What is the, the thing that God has revealed himself to be? That's the gospel. It's the good news that God the Father has sent Jesus the Son to be the Savior of the world. That's the gospel. And worship unifies us to that message. It shows that we can't just look at this as though we're not preaching. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I don't preach because that's my pastor's job. Preaching is not just the pastor's job. It's to be done in church when we gather together. You're partaking not only in your own heart's expression to God, but you're engaging in preaching because you're declaring truth. Are you familiar with that phrase that says, preach the gospel every day, use words if necessary? I understand the intention of the phrase, but that's absolute nonsense. Use words, proclaim it, declare it, tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here to do. And so every time we sing a song that celebrates the cross, that celebrates our Savior, we are unified to the message of good news, to the gospel, that Jesus came to this earth, that he lived, he died, and he rose again, conquering sin in the grave. Look at verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. I love scenes like this in the Bible where there's this mass gathering of, of peoples and nations and tribes all declaring that our God is creator, our God is redeemer, and our God is judge. And, and notice in verse 7, who is called to do this? Who's called to do the proclaiming and the declaring? It says, families of nations. Why is that word in here? Families. 
Why couldn't you just say nations? It'd be a lot simpler. Why is it family of families of nations? Well, the word family here has one of the Hebrew letters that forces you to clear your throat when you say it. The word is mishpacha. Go ahead, say it if you need to. Mishpacha. In the Old Testament, there are nations, which is about a political identity. There's peoples, which is about your ethnic entity. And then there's your mishpacha, which is the equivalent in our culture of your last name. It's your tribe, it's your clan, it's your family from which you come. And David is trying to emphasize something here. This mass gathering, this is a mass gathering of humanity, and this picture and the emphasis is on one family being together. But this family is diverse. It's a focus on the diversity of this massive collection of humanity. You know, think of the makeup of church, just in general. Some of us grew up in church and faith, and others of us are brand new to it. Some of us grew up in very stable households, and others of us did not. It was just the opposite. Some of you have stable lives right now. Others of you live moment to moment. Some of us are going through battles of addiction, and others of us have very general ease about life. Uh, some of us are on mountaintops, and others of us are in the valleys. We're all different. So what on earth could unite us and bring all of us together? What is the common factor between all these types of stories? It's worship. It's worship. There is a unity of our family that we experience in corporate worship. The symbolic embodied experience of all singing the same truth together and singing to the same Jesus is a very powerful thing. We're bringing our individual experiences, our individual pain, our struggles, our unique past, we're bringing them all together to one focal point. And so first, we're unified to God through worship. Second, we're unified to the gospel, to the proclamation of the truth that God has revealed himself to be. And then we're unified to each other in doing that. We are proclaiming that this Jesus can speak and address the hurts, pains, and needs of every 7 billion type of story that's on the earth right now. It's fascinating. It doesn't matter about your socioeconomical situation. It's not, it doesn't matter about the color of your skin. It has nothing to do with our political affiliation. We are uniting ourselves under God's goodness, what he's done through Jesus, and that truth connects, impacts, and can save all families. It's so much more than a song. It's incredibly powerful. But look at the last thing that worship unifies us to in verses 11 through 13. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the seas resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Who's being summoned to worship here? Not people. Trees, rivers, rocks, fields, octopuses, and so on. It, it just goes on. Song and worship unite us to God. It unites us to the gospel. It unites us to other people. And now it unites us to creation. 
all of creation is pointing forward and declaring with joy and gladness at who God is and what he's done. It's, it's very Narnian almost, where living creatures that you and I would very easily call inanimate are actually animated and they're worshiping and praising God. And we are united and join with creation. And why does it say we're doing this? Because the creator is coming to judge. Verse 13, let all creation rejoice before the Lord for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And some of us look at that and we're like, oh, that's not good news at all. He comes to judge. Because when we hear the word judge, especially in a religious context, we very quickly think negatively and judgmentally and so on. But in the scripture, God's role as judge is such good news. And here's why. The world is a really screwed up place. And you don't have to be a Christian to believe that. And what's primarily screwed up with this world is us. We are a part of the problem. Things are not right in the world. There is a lack of peace on earth. And not just on earth, but in your life. We all have things in our lives that are broken and need restoration. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's where you find yourself right now. It's the wars that are constantly raging and the inequalities of gender and race. And it's the starvation of children around the world. The, that Things are not right. But God's judgment is not the falling of a gavel. It's an expression of his love and his commitment to this beautiful world that he's made. The response to God's judgment is not, he's coming, so get down. He's coming, so be afraid. No, our response to God's judgment on the earth should be sing for joy, sing gladness, because one day he's coming to judge and he's going to make all things right. He's coming to restore what sin has destroyed. He's coming to provide equity and equality and fix injustice and give us hope and bring us life. And so as we sing, we are joining something that is not just individual. It is not just international. It's not just familial. It is universal. That we are united to God, to the good news, to his people, and to his creation, that one day he will come and make good and whole and restored again. And so how does this impact us? What do we do to unify in worship? I remember the first time I ever visited the Martin Guitar Factory in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. It's an awesome little shop. You should totally check it out. You can go on tours. And they also have famous guitars from artists that use Martin guitars. And there was this one guitar in this glass case, and it looked like it had gotten run over by a bus. It was beat up. It was a classical guitar. It had writings and scribbles on it. There was a hole in it. And most of the people in front of me would walk right by it and make comments about how broken it was, how it needs to get thrown out, and, and, and how it, it just didn't have any beauty to it. What they didn't realize is that this was Trigger, Willie Nelson's guitar. That guitar had played some 10,000 shows, uh, recording sessions, songwriting, probably a lot of tobacco smoke and tour violence. I knew exactly what it was. And so I stood there in awe, desperately wanting to play Georgia on my mind on it or Blue Skies. You see, 
understanding something correctly changes your approach. And in the same way, when we understand worship, what its purpose is, and what it does, it changes how we approach it. If we simply think that worship is the music before the sermon, we'll never approach it any differently. But if we have that right approach, if we understand that worship is about unity to God, to the gospel, to other people, and to creation, how should I live that out? That's in verse 2. Proclaim his salvation day to day. This is a daily thing we must do. In the same way you brush your teeth, you tie your shoes, you make your bed, and you make coffee every single day, we're called to worship, to unite to God, the gospel, to people and creation daily, to make it a part of our everyday lives. And so maybe it's a a Spotify playlist on the way to drop the kids off to school. Maybe it's a walk in the woods. Maybe it's a worship night, like what we're going to have here at LHC next week. You don't want to miss it. It's at 7 p.m. on March 19th. We're going to have a night of worship declaring that we are united to God, to the gospel, and to other people. And hopefully it's a nice day and we'll be united to creation. Or maybe it's just quiet meditation. You know, our goal every single day should be to unite to God through worship. And so as we close this service... Let's connect to God. Let's connect and declare his goodness in our lives. Let's sing because the good news is that Jesus has come to save all peoples. And all peoples that have differing experiences and and backgrounds can all unite and declare the truth of who this God is. And we also echo with creation that our God is good and our God is just. And one day he's coming to restore all things. Let's close our time in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. We thank you for inviting us to connect to you through declaring your goodness and the truth of who you are, that you sent your son Jesus to live and to die in our place, but not just die, to resurrect and to rise again and conquer sin in the grave. And the good news is that all people can unite and join into that truth. And in doing so, we proclaim to the world that our God is real, that our God is here, and our God is good. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening today. To connect with us further, you can visit our website at lhcnj.net or on social media at lhcnj. And we'll be back next week with another sermon. Until then, have a great week and God bless.